Lindell, Chamberlain of All Ages, and Walter Payne Radio presents the greatest podcast in the world, the Marketex Samuel Plan, the Devil's Advocate Shinobi, the Lunatic King Maverick, and single syllable mother, the right side of the pond. And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. Sup, Lords of Pain, and welcome to the right side of the pond. It is Friday, and as you hear, Mazza is back from his uh, his sabbatical. So um, I, I think we talked before the show about what we might cover today. And I think the main thing to say is that TV for the last, I mean, well, you could, I mean, how far back do you want to go? But let's call it two years. You could actually probably go back further. Has been on a bit of a downward spiral, you know, with the odd upturn here and there, you know, as a sort of Seth Rollins hour-long gauntlet here and a, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose heel turn there. But overall, the quality of the TV product has been very poor for quite a long time now. Um, But I guess things have really started to, I guess, ratchet up a notch because of the fact that, and we know ratings aren't the be on end all of anything in this sort of age of streaming, but ratings are significantly down. And you'd think that the one person that still does really care about ratings quite a lot is Vincent Mann. Um, But then the other rumor comes out saying, it's Vince has been writing these terrible shows. So we're at, I think, potentially a, a bit of a crossroads here because surely at some stage they're going to have to acknowledge that what they're doing is not working. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really, really not. You know, I mean, whether whether this is a case of the dip in the dipping ratings has prompted Vince to do that. It's certainly not helping, is it? And I mean, I've been a little bit out of the loop and it, it, it sometimes you see things a little bit differently when you're, you know, when you're slave to that roar and smack down every week, you know, as I have been, particularly since starting the power 10, you know, I've, I've been there and watching that weekly TV for a bit and, maybe you step away and see how bad it is. So I'd, I'd literally, the last thing I'd watched wrestling wise, because I've just been so mad busy with work at the moment was survivor series. I've not watched anything since then. And, you know, I've flicked through raw this week thinking, well, I need to watch a little something to be able to do a show this week. And my God, it was awful. I mean, just absolutely terrible. Very little, I, you know, normally even the things that you normally say, well, you know, Ambrose and, and Rollins will make it all right. I, I thought that was awful as well. You know, pretty much the only thing that got a pass from me was Drew this week on Raw. It was just terrible. You know, I, I enjoyed SmackDown a little bit more. You know, the where they're building to at TLC and the SmackDown matches interest me. And um, I've got to say the the new Daniel Bryan is interested in me, but you know, I don't know what, what's going on with TV. It's just, it's just atrocious. You know, that whoever runs raw in America has obviously canceled the overruns because they're not doing well, which is a 
you know, in a way, a blessing in disguise. Three hours is already too long without three hours and 15 minutes. Uh, but, you know, at what point did I cancel hour three? You know, surely that's not that far, 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 far behind. And what's going on? WWE seem to be stockpiling more and more and more talent. You know, obviously there's network content, but, you know, that's still these TV deals are still obviously a big thing for them, you know, and it's, you wonder how long that's going to last, these big deals, if the trend continues. I mean, over the the last two years, especially, what I've tended to do is, you know, go into YouTube, um, you know, and and just go go through the the clipped off segments uh, and kind of watch those. And then if there's a match that people have said is good, then I'll check that out in full. Um, but what's interesting is that over the last four or five weeks, especially, you know, I'll sort of log on to, to, to YouTube on lunch break. You'll go to that raw playlist. You'll look down the list of videos and what they're titled and you'll think, doesn't matter, don't need to watch that. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Nothing to do with the storylines. And you'll get to one or two videos that, that you actually watch. So this year, this this week on Raw, the only thing that you really needed to watch was the Ambrose and Rollins segment and the the McIntyre and Ziggler segment, um, and everything else w- was was literally pointless. So th- th- I guess uh, you know you can tell it's you can tell how bad it is because even if you're only watching to keep up with the stories there are no stories that are actually happening beyond and obviously the Strowman injury probably doesn't help because you know he's in a few of Baron Corbin but you know but I think you know they've got nothing from a storyline point of view to fill those three hours and, and that and that really is is I think quite a lot of the problem so let's start with that then if we're going to talk about you know how we how we fix television. Um, you know, as you said, hour three probably needs to be the first thing to go because if you if we take it back, they went to three hours in the aftermath of Raw One Thousand, which you know we're going all the way back now to the summer of two thousand and twelve that this third hour this third hour has existed. So Raw One Thousand, you know, three hours. Big CM Punk heel turn, um, and 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 from then on, they they they've had the three hours. Now, for a first part of that, you have the rise of the Shield, you have the the Daniel Bryan against the Authority storyline. Um, you know, we had Seth Rollins turning on the Shield. You had, um, you know, I guess the. Uh, the various faces of Roman Reigns through through that time period. There was always at the beginning enough just about to justify the extra hour. But I think probably is it the brand split the point where it really started to feel squeezed? I, I don't know, you know, I I, I, just, I don't think there was ever a point where a three hour rule made sense. You know, as good as all that stuff going on was it were, it's not like that filled the three hours of the show. It was just a good part of Raw. You know, whether Raw was two hours or three hours, you know, it would have been a good part of Raw. I don't... I could probably 
you know, even if you go back and watch the, not that you would, but you, if you go back and watch them all, you'd probably find the number of good three hour rules across the board. Oh yeah. You could probably count them on one hand, even, even at the time where the product was in a better place than it is at the moment. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though, isn't it, right? If you've got three hours, then, you know, what you're what you're always doing, because obviously for us, we don't have to watch with the adverts, so you're talking uh, an hour and 45 um, or thereabouts, aren't you, basically, without adverts? An hour and 45 to two hours, I guess. Um, yeah, once you, you skip through a bunch of the repeats and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, most of that was was relevant and, and watchable. I've always felt that, the, like you say, the three-hour roar was was a mistake and it was overreaching because they always used to do those on special occasion ones. Like, okay, it's Raw 500. Okay, it's Raw 1000. Okay, it's SmackDown, you know, SmackDown 500. Like, fair enough to, to kind of have those long shows on occasion or if you're booking a really big match big TV match or whatever. They've always done that. But but to make it three hours every week always felt like a reach, even with the expansion of the amount of talent that, that they had. But nevertheless, I, I think it's fair to say that, that during the early authority era, they were a lot of the time managing to use it um, fairly sensibly. But now it really does feel that the majority of the show is just drivel. Yeah, absolute, absolute drivel. It's just, you know, a lot of it's unwatchable. You know, you, why, why, why do you want to watch this? It, it is there, you know, stuff they're doing with revival, revival are in a match and I don't want to watch it. That's how does that even happen? You know, this is the same team that wrestled classic after classic every time they were in the ring in 2016. I, I, you know, I, I don't even entertain the thought of not of, of watching their, their their match on single speed. You know, that's just that's just insane. It really is. So, I mean, again, sort of obviously SmackDowns will stay at uh, stay at two hours, and obviously, as you say, like. You've had the rise of the rise of Becky Lynch and uh, the rise of well the really you know, the rise again of Daniel Bryan I suppose so there has been a bit more going on um, over there and obviously SmackDown going live meant that you know one of the problems SmackDown had historically was the fact that it was taped and people knew the results in advance and obviously we found with NXT that that isn't necessarily as much of a problem as people used to think it was with SmackDown actually um, but. Certainly, you know, SmackDown is, is, is something which, you know, is, is much more condensed and therefore much more watchable. But even there, you know, if you look at, at, at what some areas of the SmackDown roster are doing at the moment, you know, it's like, like New Day are just in this permanent holding pattern, for example, but they always have a good 20 minutes of SmackDown devoted to them. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, I'm interested by the New Day versus the Usos versus the Bar. But, you know, how many times have we seen variations of that? You know, and it's... I'm interested in it not because of what they're doing on TV. I'm interested in it because I know it'll be a good match on the night. You know, 
how much more can you can you see from these three teams interacting with each other at this point? It's just it's a bit silly, you know. That they 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 get their pass purely from from what's going to happen. But yeah, you know, again, it's not something that I I want to watch on on TV. The build to it because you know what's going to be memorable about it. You've done it time and time and time and time and time again, and. The, they really need some. They need an X factor in that in that tag division over there. You know, it's. Don't get me wrong. It's more interesting than what what's going on on Raw's tag division, or you know, generally has been. Uh, but yes, yeah, switch it up a bit. Why aren't one of those teams back over on Raw, particularly the Usos or New Day? I, I can't. I can't really fathom at this point. I mean, when you look at the Raw roster, and this is something else that stood out to me when I, when I was thinking about this earlier on, I think, and partially this is due to due to injuries, but if you actually have a look at it, um, you've obviously got Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, who are sort of engaged in a feud with each other. Um, Strowman, obviously, is an absentee champion. Uh, you've got McIntyre and Ziggler, who they've obviously just started to kind of uh, you know, put in a kind of breakup view with each other. Um, you've got, uh, and then actually, when you start looking at it, it's, it's deceptively thin um, below that because obviously they, they, they're sort of having to do something with Baron Corbin just because, I don't know, they, they kind of booked themselves into that corner. They've got, you know, Strowman, who they've essentially booked so poorly uh, over the last year that they're lucky he's still as over as he is. Um, but because you've got Owens out, Zayn out, again, like, Balor, they just, again, just can't seem to work out how to use him properly. They've got Reigns out. And so what you find with Raw is that it feels even thinner than it is because despite this, you know, this embarrassment of, of talent on the roster, if you take it as a whole, yeah. Raw actually is looking quite thin at the moment. Um, again, so then the problem is if if you're writing Elias versus Lashley better, you know you've got two guys there that that could be filling those roles, but they don't. You know, like you say with Balak, they've consistently just got no idea what to do with him. You know, Zig Ziggler's going right back there as well. You could already see it, and it, it I'm sure it'll be interesting this blow off feud with. Um, with uh, McIntyre, but you you know Ziggler is going to go right back to what Ziggler does again within within a month. Well, you know it's it's it, it it's what's the real shame about it is there's just no need to do it. And, and we've talked before, I mean, me and Plum particularly have talked before about their obsession with um, with breaking up stables, breaking up tag teams. You know, at these at these kind of moments that they don't need to and. Like, if they were going to give McIntyre a super push, because, which, you know, his work with Merritt, and it seems like they're going that direction, why not just keep Ziggler around? As yes. his, you know, why can't he be, um, why can't, can't he be a kind of X-Pac to, you know, to uh, McIntyre's Triple H, if that's what, if that's what you're doing? Like, there's no sure. reason why you have to, you know, why do you need to get McIntyre over by having him run through Ziggler? He can get over by running through whoever you want him to. I mean, 
I mean, I mean, if they'd had any sense, then they would have come out of, um, uh, what do you call it? The super show they had in, in Saudi Arabia, Crown, oh, Crown Jewel, Crown, Crown Jewel. Jewel. Yeah. But they come out of there and then they said, okay, um, let's, let's go with, you know, Strowman and Ziggler. Sorry, sorry. Strowman and uh, McIntyre for the title, you know, going up against each other. Uh, instead, they just got, they put the title back on Lesnar. Lesnar's disappeared off to nowhere. And in the meantime, they feel like they've got a feel, McIntyre's time until the Strowman Lesnar thing is done. It just everything just smacks of them killing time on Raw, yeah. particularly. It, sure. it it feels like insultingly like um you know, television that is there for its own sake. And I guess the bizarre thing is that somebody, namely Vince, thinks that this is what people want. And that's what I can't get my head around is that, you know, I can understand that Kevin Dunn, you know, uh, he's kind of finally got his way of essentially wrestling being completely secondary to the product. But I mean, the ratings tell you yeah, people don't want to watch it, you no, know. Sure. And, you know, again, a, a lot. You could say quite a bit of this is as a result of, you know, Reigns's illness which has come out of nowhere but when your solution to that is oh, let's go back to Lesnar you've got all those Lesnar issues coming again and it's we've moaned about it over the course of the last last year so much and it's just right we'll go back to that and you've got all those issues again where all these guys are fighting over stuff and it's all pointless and the guy you build up to be your top dog to go at Lesnar just gets squashed, you know, and it, it, it's repeat again. You're dead. You know, Lesnar's way up here. He's the champion. What does anything else matter? Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you know, so we've got obviously we've got the time issue we've talked about. We've also got um, the issue with um, the roster that we've just talked about as well. I mean, I think probably the next thing that, that, that I would say uh, is the biggest problem. It's linked to the sort of Kevin Dunn, Vince way of doing things. These, yeah, these, executive producer Kevin Dunn, please. Yeah, <laughs> these scripted promos have oh. got to go. Now, there's one particularly glaring example that I noticed this week, um, which was, you know, McIntyre's having McIntyre Appreciation Night. By the way... Can we call a moratorium on appreciation nights? How many of those segments do, am I am I going to have to watch? But Ziggler comes out and interrupts it and uh, says, oh, I'm sure my invite just got lost in the mail and, and that was painful. And then McIntyre's response is that uh, Ziggler doesn't quite meet the height requirements. Like, are we supposed to believe that, you know, that is the best that a heel can do in, you know, responding to a face that's come to interrupt his, uh, come to interrupt his promo. Like, I mean, the, the joke is, of course, that this is like the promo engine on the WWE video games. Yeah. It, but it's ridiculous. Like, whoever I mean, wrote a... that wants, wants shooting. I mean, it's, it's a big deal, you know, as well. You know, this should be, I, I don't know what happened the last couple of weeks, whether that's they've built up to this moment 
But, you know, if that's the split between the two, you know, it's a big deal. It should be a bigger deal. It just felt, you know, not like a big deal. It's just like, as a matter of fact, all right, well, done with you. Let's move on. And again, it's it's like they've forgotten how to build to something, you know, build to a moment. And even if I switch over to, to SmackDown for a second, it's the same with Brian. And while I'm enjoying this new Brian, it's probably giving him that boost that just wasn't working uh, since since he's come back. Because, again, you know, he, he's not been given anything particularly good to go with. But, you know, there was no build up to this sudden change with, with Brian. You know, I've enjoyed it for what it is, but it's not like you can map out frustrations leading him to that point and becoming like this weird eco-warrior Kurt Cobain, you know, it's it's just, right, we're going to do this now. Yeah, I, I think, I think you know, it's, it's become increasingly, um, I guess it's become increasingly necessary to, 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 you know, to use plans philosophy, you know, you, you are having to make things work for you. I do think with Brian, to be fair, there was, there was enough, um, hints that he was getting frustrated with losing to Styles that that you could do it, but the problem is is that they've already told that story with with Nakamura this year, so there's there's a repetition where they they've, sure. con- they've constantly got um, popular faces losing to other popular faces and then turning heel on them, or uh, popular heels lose you know like sort of being. Um, bumped by their partner, you know, and then becoming a face by fall. It's like, and I know it's pro wrestling, and there's only so many stories that you can tell, but when you repeat the same stories within the same calendar year, it doesn't half stand out. Yeah, exactly. It really does. And, you know, again, it's problematic. It's, you've, when you had one mind doing everything, it's, it worked. I don't know if this is just getting to a point where, you know, where you'll talk about the difference between British sitcoms and American sitcoms, you know, where you have a couple of people writing a British sitcom and it's for six episodes each year and you deliver the quality, whereas you've got a room full of people doing these American ones and they've got to do 25 episodes a year over, you know, 10 seasons and you just lose all kinds of consistency with it despite the fact that you might have fun stuff in there and entertaining stuff you just don't get that level maybe maybe that that's where we're at now that raw and wwe tv in general is being written by so many people you just you just don't have a control on it. Yeah, and you, and you don't and you don't need to, to write wrestling tv in that way because i think the number one thing that needs to happen is you know you need to trust wrestlers to cut promos. Sure, because, absolutely. They, know, sh- they shouldn't be there if they can't. Number, you know, yeah, number you need, one You need to thing, trust them and be able to say the right thing as much as you trust them with the other person's body that they're in there throwing around, you know? And, and what have been, you know, the more acclaimed uh, bits of, of mic work through the year? And there aren't many of them. Um, but, but the ones that are are quite obviously the ones that are of the design of the performer. Yeah, the, the, you know, the rumour came out, didn't it, that, um, you know, that the Rousey stuff, yeah. you know, to, towards Nikki Bella that got a lot of pop, you know, that she came up with that herself. 
I mean, a lot. I've got to believe a lot of this Becky stuff, like she's come up with. Um, but it's it, it feels real, and you can see it. You can actually see the same person. You know, you you're almost at the point you can tell where they got the a bit more in, input in it. You know, and yeah, it's funny in, in the group chat the other day. I when when I brought up the fact that you know what on earth happened. Kurt Angle used to be a fantastic promo now he, he isn't and that's exactly it you know it, either your plan made the point he he is but he's not he's just reciting lines and he's not good at that and and that that's exactly it you know not many people are who can I, I, who delivers a good red promo you know some of them might be doing it the, the guys that are better at it but it just just that there's not that many good promos in WWE anymore. Well, I'm, here's the thing, I don't it? believe that it's because they're not good at promos. It's because they're not allowed to be. Yeah. And, 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 and here's what's happened, right? They've forgotten that professional wrestlers are not actors. No. Right. So, so they've got people writing the shows <laughs> um, that are Hollywood writers who are used to writing for actors. Now, to be honest, they must be very bad Hollywood writers because Nobody would write that dialogue if they knew how to write. Sure. But, nevertheless, if you are an actor, you might be able to make some of that stuff work. But wrestlers, you know, although some of them might go into acting when their wrestling career is over, like The Rock or or, 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 C, or even Cena now, they're not actors, you know, and, and the art of wrestling... They're good at it in general, you know, yeah. aside from, from the odd one, you know, you've seen how many big stars have, you know, tried their hand and quickly realised, actually... You know, with shit, we we can't hang with actual actors. That's why WWE make their own studio. And and this is the thing, like you you look at the delivery of these premises, and yeah, it's, it's unconvincing because they they are they are memorising lines. Now it's gone from, I mean, I remember a few years ago, Austin was even shocked they were being given bullet points, and now it's moved on from a, it's moved on from there. Now people are actually, you know, this, when those scripts come out, and it's like. These are actual lines that they have that they have memorized, and I that blows my mind. It really does, and it it just makes for a show that feels very lukewarm, very stilted, um, and it it just it doesn't get the juices flowing because, of course, the art of a good wrestling promo is the fact that somebody is reacting to the crowd in real time and is reacting to the other performers in real time. You know. Nobody gave Austin uh, the 316 speech. What somebody said to him backstage was, Jake Roberts is cutting a religious promo on you. And, and Austin, that's, where he got, that's where he got the idea. You know, when Bret Hart came out and, and said, you know, and basically, you know, turn heel, turn on the crowd, um, then he, again, he wasn't, he wasn't reciting lines. He was using real frustration that his type of baby face wasn't, wasn't fashionable anymore and he used that to construct that character you know even you know Shawn Michaels like you know the, the lost smile promo I'm sure he just came up with that in the middle of the ring as he was as he yeah, was absolutely. leaving his belt behind uh, and it because if you want to talk about you know res, wrestlers not being good actors you know Shawn Michaels is front and center of that you know if, if Shawn Michaels is doing something that's acting related or clearly scripted for him you know that's the first thing you're going to tell and it's going to look terrible 
But, you know, Shawn Michaels can deliver a good promo when he's speaking from the heart or speaking from the, you know, whatever it is. And look at that Miz stuff, right? The Miz stuff put on um, Talking Smack, which obviously, again, like, was a huge thing. Now, the reason that went off was because it was real, because he was he came up with it in that moment. And, yeah, they might have planned for the for the segment to go that way. And him and Brian are obviously friends, and they might have talked about it beforehand and how it was going to go. They might have brought it past each other. But ultimately, it was something which was off the cuff and felt real. And pro wrestling at its best has to feel real. And, then, and these scripted promos just make it so, so poor. Like, McIntyre is meant to be an absolute killer at the moment, isn't he? He's meant to be a, a, a badass diesel, you know, evil diesel turned up to 10. And instead, he cuts a promo about Dolph Ziggler being short when Dolph Ziggler isn't even short. You know, he's shorter than Drew than Drew McIntyre, but he's not promoing against Rey Mysterio, right? He's promoing against a guy that's, you know, <coughs> six foot tall, two twenty pounds, like would look fucking huge next to me if he was, you know, if he was walking yeah. around. Like, I just think the whole the whole way of this is just it's just really silly, and I, I just think they've got themselves into this mindset that that. So much into my that it's an entertainment com, you know, entertainment company, um, that they've forgotten that the the basics of the business. And actually, you know, it is one of those things where you you look at their subsidiary products. You look at two hundred five or NXT or NXT UK, and there are still traces of it. And obviously, they're taped shows, so I'm sure that especially some of the backstage stuff they might have rehearsed a little bit. Yeah, but. It, not it, to that level. Not to that level, no. And and the stuff that they have got, you know, I think because they are taping three months worth of stuff in advance, um, they you can see the, the, the storyline threads uh, much more clearly. Whereas on Raw, particularly, it's at the whims of 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 Vince being annoyed on one particular day and decides to change everything. And so you have all these. Um, you have all these reports come out that, oh, they're going to debut Lars Sullivan, they're going to push him straight away, um, or that, oh, they you know, there was they, they were going to do this, but now they've changed their minds. And you can see when they change their mind on things. You can see it happening in front of your eyes. And that's the problem, is you, just, you can't develop a consistent product in that way that's going to keep people wanting to come back. And the thing with the Becky thing that really stands out with it is people wanted to keep coming back because... It, it had that compelling streak to it, um, and there's not enough stuff like that now. Yeah, exactly. And you know, sometimes someone could hit a bit of form, and you know, those promos could come out, and they they, they can probably make it work for them for a little bit. You know, quite how much of everything is is scripted, it, you know, we just don't know. You know, but it, it you really do get a feel of when something isn't, you know, it, it really does feel that way. And it just needs to be more, like I say, you, you've got to trust your, your people. That's part of what they're doing. You know, but particularly when you've got like so much talent, um, you know, because you, it's not like you're dealing with green people, you know, and the, particularly as, you know, 
anyone that they promote has also nowadays spent spent some time in NXT. So presumably, if they have a weakness in promos, then that's something that they've worked on. Yeah. Or yeah. Or you do what you did with Lashley, and you get him a mouthpiece. Or you do what you did with Ormas, and you get him a mouthpiece. I don't understand. You know, if they can't, then you script them. Yes. You can't tell me all these people, you know, can't do it. You know, you, you, you let them get on with it. You say, well, OK, Mr. Ambrose, you seem very comfortable here. Let's do a few promos backstage off the cuff and see what comes out. Yep. Actually, that was good. You're good. You're good to go. You know, then you could be like, OK, you, Mr. Lashley, let's see. Yeah, actually, that's shit. You, you can keep on <laughs> reading them or we'll get you. This little guy from NXT, you can scream your name and you can show your ass. You know, it's. But again, it's it's like you know, it's. Uh, yeah, there are larger issues, I guess, with booking and stuff, which isn't necessarily always. It's linked to it, isn't it, with TV? Um, but if we talk about TV specifically, um, I think I think you know, the length of the length of Raw, um, the scripted promos. But then also, we need to look at the matches because that's something they're getting wrong as well. Because nothing feels like it matters. Like if somebody, they either do, they, I think they do one of three things. They either book people against each other so often that yeah. you're tired of seeing it. Now I read this thing on Lords of Pain the other week where somebody counted that Miz and Kofi Kingston have had 27 televised matches with each other. That's just... 27! <coughs> That's insane. It's just, like, could you... I mean, that you couldn't make that up, could you? And I'm sure that, I'm sure that Ziggler and... Uh, Ziggler and Miz must be... Ziggler and Miz. Yeah, yeah, they must all be coming up on those sorts of numbers. Uh, I mean, even... I mean, God, I, I just I don't even like to think about it. I mean, yeah, you know, even you know, Seamus and Kingston, and you know, Seamus and the, the whole of class of OA, right? Yeah, <laughs> they've all wrestled yeah. each other so so much, and then and then it, that's what you can take into account, like people like Orton have been on the roster since two thousand and two. Sure. Well, um, I mean, I, I feel like Orton and Hardy have wrestled each other like twenty seven times in the last like four weeks well this is the thing isn't it so so not only on tv but also on pay-per-view they'll you know you'll have 19 Samoa Joe v AJ Styles matches that AJ Styles wins all of giving it no drama whatsoever but I think you know there are people that are booked together too much and so it becomes a tv feud and a pay-per-view feud in one and it's like how many times are these people going to wrestle because it seems like they've forgotten a different way to book a feud or you have these six mans that are just going through the motions, like completely might as well just not exist. Like I can't remember the last time I bothered watching one. Um, or you have these sorts of, um, yeah, just these throwaway matches that, that don't seem to go towards anything. So, you know, in the old days you might have said, Oh, well, Jim Ross might have said, you know, Oh, this will, get their name up in the number one contenders list, you know, they'll, you know, their name will be noticed, or the GM might notice them if they win this match. But there's none of that. It's just, hey, here are two people having a match. And maybe yeah. if one of them's in a feud, somebody else might interfere. Um, and it's, 
it's just so flat and the ladies particularly suffer from this because th- there's no storylines for anyone that's not in a tight not holding a title <coughs> so what then happens is they're just in six women tags all the time yeah uh it, it's it it's the repetition that, that really really bothers me it's just the same again like you say it don't matter you know what is Finn Balor wrestling Baron Corbin again why is Randy Orton wrestling Jeff Hardy again why why you've got Almas on that and they were doing that for a little while on Smackdown where Almas was just like the go-to guy at a wrestle in the middle of a feud with someone and it was really good you got to see the guy that wasn't primarily in the feud wrestling against the guy that's up and coming and a very good wrestler led to really good matches, really fun TV matches, fresh stuff. But, you know, they just, they don't do it very often. Yeah. They, they, because they can't, again, it's the whole segmented thing. So, you know, you've got to have these guys together and these guys together and these guys together. So, you know, how, how can you do that? And it's just so, 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 so boring and dull. And, you know, even you've got two guys, that, you know, wrestle a good match together. You know, you're just done with it. You know, I I, I was done with Ziggler and Rollins by the end. And I know you enjoyed that, that last match. And you're like, yeah, that's a match to go and watch. I was like, yeah, I, I'm not at this point. I'm done with it. It's been done. It's been good. But they've done it 16 times, you know. What's new? Freshen it up. Do something. Got all these bloody gimmicks as well now. It's just uh, it. That's what drives me mad. And not only that, it's the throwing together a first time match just like it's nothing. You're done. It's gone. It's thrown away. You know, you could be building to that. You could do. You could have some fun building to the first time that you know. Um, particularly when you think about SmackDown with Daniel Bryan coming back and yeah. you know, all these guys coming through since then, you know, you could build to all these matches. They're all a huge deal. But, you know, so often with these potential first times, it's like, right, that's done. There you go. Throw it. Throw that away. No, give it away for free on TV, you know, which I don't mind about. That I don't mind about, but build to it. Make it interesting. You know, make it a big deal. It's a big deal to a lot of people act like it's a big deal rather than, you know, just say, well, we'll throw this away. And the big deal is it's this guy's going to challenge Lesnar next, which nobody wants to see uh, because we all know the result is going to be Lesnar's going to squash them. So, you know, why? Uh, it, it, it bothers me. It, it really bothers me that, you know, the, the repetition and, you know, the throwing away of big first time matches that you, you could build to something fresh on pay-per-view and you don't. But there's something else as well that's linked to that. Um, and the repetition, and that's that, as we alluded to earlier, they start to recycle segments. And so, you know, obviously there have always been certain, you know, tropes in pro wrestling, contract signings, someone turns over the table, it becomes a brawl. Like, that, those sorts, you know, there's always been segments that they went to, but now it's like they seem to have about five that they rotate and almost all the feuds kind of go go through them. Um, and then linked to that, I think we've got to talk about GMs and commissioners and just say that, like, the days of that sort of in-your-face authority figure, I think, are just so gone. 
because I, I, you know, I hate, like, honestly, I will not watch a match if it begins with the GM saying, and that match starts right now. <laughs> I, I refuse on principle to, to do that. Like, I know, I know that, like, you know, Steph, when she is firing on all cylinders can be a really valuable thing. But when she's literally just there to turn up and use these meaningless phrases like GM elect and then randomly book matches that she then says in that annoying way, I, I'm out, I'm all out. And, you know, similarly, you know, Paige takes over as GM and, and then proceeds to be just as boring as Daniel Bryan was as a GM. I don't see the point. And then, you know, best of the world, Shane will show up. Uh, and then he's randomly a tag team with Miz. Like, I don't, I just think, let's just go back to Jack Tunney. If there's like a controversy, then wheel out the authority figure. Like, they've <coughs> been doing it on NXT UK with um, Johnny Singh. Like, he's not on the show every week. He's there it's now and again week. if some stuff needs sorting out. Well, even um, with, with Regal, yeah, absolutely. On NXT, I mean, he's there pretty much every week. But, you know, he's backstage, you know, he's not in there right in front doing everything. And people come to him when there's something to be, you know, when there's a, like you say, when there's a decision to be made, he makes it. Don't hang about, gets out, gets Bears vote for fifth place on, on, on the P10. And, you know, see you next week, Will. It, yeah. It's... I, I think that's, and it's an important part of it that, you know, people are just are fed up with the, you know, the, the, the laziness of saying, right, opening segment, uh, heel GM comes out and says, oh, what a roar we've got for you tonight. And then and then talks around some stuff, says some like half assed insults, um, you know, books some matches that vaguely favor the heels, um, you know, might be a couple of backstage segments. Um and then, you know, you'll build up to some sort of, like, tag main event where, you know, something might happen or, or something might actually not happen. It's just a, a straight match that's really boring. Um, and I just, I just, I find it, I find it insulting. And I think this is why, you know, you're seeing so many long-time fans, you know, either just watch in a very different way. And, you know, uh, I would consider myself one of them in terms of the, how little I actually spend watching tv i mean the only thing i watch in full pretty much tv wise is is nxt uk at the moment um because you don't need to watch the tv to watch the pay-per-view yeah like you don't even need the context anymore i don't even think i don't even know if you need the video packages anymore like it's like okay I, i like the look of that match that should be good but it could be so much more if the tv was better and i think that's the that's the sad thing that that when the product is firing all cylinders, the TV means that you can't wait for the pay-per-view. It's not just, oh, it's pay-per-view this weekend, okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, I cannot wait to see this pay-per-view. I remember Night of Champions 13, um, first pay-per-view after, you know, after <coughs> Brian got screwed at the end of SummerSlam, um, and I had to stay, like, spoiler-free, all day at work, get home, turn on the pay-per-view, have to wade through a half-hour Triple H pay-per-view before the show even starts, and then, <laughs> uh, um, and then, 
it's like I couldn't wait to see what happened with Brian Orton. Like the TV leading up to that pay-per-view, even if actually Night Champions 13 didn't end up being the world's best show or indeed that Orton Brian match didn't end up being the world's best match. But the, the, the way the TV had built up to it meant I felt like I couldn't wait to know what had happened, but I didn't want to spoil it for myself. And so I waited all day and I anxiously like got home, watched the pay-per-view and I was so, so pumped for it. And you just don't get that feeling, particularly from Raw. Well, that and that that's the thing as well, you know. What, does, how often does it even matter what's happened on the pay per view? You know, when the TV's good, it, it's it, it's the inverse. You know, it doesn't matter how good of a match it is so much. It matters how how exciting it is and what what actually happens, what's going on, the story. You know, the match is part of the story, and if the matches five stars that's great you know when we sat through the attitude era we weren't weren't watching for five star matches you know at at the time when we were young we were watching to find out what that actual f would happen next because it was exciting tv you know and that's all we got now all we've got is the hope that it's actually a really good match yeah yeah exactly and I, i think you know there needs to be in wrestling um a sense of anticipation, and you do see, and you see that, like with takeovers, still, you know, people are, are, are like always, oh, will this be the best takeover yet, you know, and stuff, and and I think, and I think that's really healthy, and I think if there is a, an optimistic side to all of this, it's that it does seem like Triple H is an old school way of doing things. He obviously has some, you know, some ideas of his own, but. Ultimately, he is a traditionalist. You see that in the way that NXT is written. You see that in the way that 205 is written, the way that, and the way that NXT UK so far has been written. You know, like say for example, you know they do four weeks of Eddie Dennis vignettes. Then they do that. You know, he finally debuts. He kind of rubs up against Ashton Smith. Uh, he beats Ashton Smith in a match. You know, he's still making remarks about Andrews and Dunn. And you can see, like, they're building something with that character um, that is going to result in some sort of um, match that is with one of those faces from his past that he's bitter about. That's good writing. It's not complicated writing. It's not um, in-your-face writing, but it's good, solid, professional wrestling writing. And that's what there isn't enough of on the main roster because, you know, like the Becky stuff happened completely by accident. They've lucked into that. To an extent, they've lucked into Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan is a really good performer and it was high time that he did something more interesting. So it seems like he went to the powers that be and said, I am bored with what I am doing. Can I turn heel? And so he's turned heel. And so it just so happens that you've got two interesting things happening over there. You've got Ambrose and Rollins going on a Raw. And again, those two have a lot of control over the direction of what they're doing a lot of the time, I would suspect. So, you know, it's like they luck into these things, but that what they don't do consistently enough is just write solid stuff. Because really that's all anyone's asking for. Because, you know, really, really hot angles in wrestling are comparatively rare. And they need a lot of things to align at once, like the CM Punk stuff. Like it just so happened that a lot of planets came into 
Yeah, exactly. It, it always comes up that, you know, it's lightning in a bottle, things align, and, you know, you, you get a Brian or you get a, a, a Punk or, you know, you get an Austin at the time, you know, and, and you get a Becky at the moment. But you have to luck into that a lot of the time. And and what keeps you going in the meantime is, is writing yeah. just solid stuff that people are interested it, in. It, it, and that's the thing. It doesn't need to be fantastically intricate. You know, it's just basic, good, basic storytelling, which you've got people that can perform it. And uh, that's what I always go back to. WWE have people that could perform really well right now they're snapping them up they're stacking up the best from the business all over the world you know and they they just need that chance you know give them a good basic storyline and that's what nxt and nxt uk do they give you know and even 205 live do good basic storytelling and they give let yeah. them let them do that on the main roster too. Yeah, and they give people a platform, you know. And again, the problem with Raw is that you know it seems like you know you look at the guys that have been given a platform on Raw this year: Strowman, Elias, Lashley. Like you're looking at people that Vince thinks are stars, and. He's kind of got one out of three there because Strowman, had, for whatever reason, you know, really, really caught on. But Lashley is not a star, and Elias is not a star. Like, I'm sorry, I, I just don't, I, I don't understand giving them so much airtime every week when there are far, far more deserving people that would do a lot more with the spot. And, and I think again, that's the problem is that you, you have a lot of talent, but you're not maximizing it i mean even if you look at someone like balor don't for goodness sake keep making giving him a microphone all the time because that isn't his strength no exactly you know it's not and again it's it it's this whole idea it, it goes two ways it's like giving people that can talk scripts and you know giving people that can't talk scripts as well you know you can have the ones that can't talk, not talk. You can have the ones that can talk, do their own talking, you know, without actually having to be reading lines. Hey, I don't know. And, and you know, like... You... Uh, for, for, I don't know, you know, for all I know, Bala, if if he can go and talk on his own, might be a hell of a lot better. But that's another, that's another thing, though, isn't it? Like, people are only allowed to be interesting in WWE if they're a hill. Uh, and, you know, Bala's been on the main roster now for over two years... And I still don't know, I still don't know what he stands for. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he stands for. Like, you know, when he turned up, they obviously were still doing the demon thing. And now, like, everyone again, just when they want a cool entrance, they'll do the demon again, like they did at SummerSlam. Um, And it's like, just like, again, it's like, I think Balor is basically, they've made the exact same mistakes over Roman Reigns, just on a smaller scale because yeah. the guy is just bland so so bland um and there was a there was a point i thought uh a little while ago when he was wrestling rollins where i thought they were gonna they were sort of teasing out a bit of cocky prick out of yeah. him and i was thinking are they gonna do something oh no maybe not 
But and this, by all account, you know, that's what made him a big deal in yes. Japan. Yes. You know, that, that, that's what got him to the dance. So, I mean, it, I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of a lot of issues at stake there, but they're, they're quite simple to fix. It's like, when you look at it, make Raw two hours, stop scripting everything to the nth degree, allow for some shared universe so that it's not just these fenced off segments that have nothing to do with each other um don't just go through the motions of, of doing the same things in the same feuds and then don't have feuds that are basically the same as a feud that's just finished so you know you finish um nakamura styles and then essentially joe styles is the same thing and then brian styles is shaping up to be the same thing again you've got a heel that's trying to get an AJ Styles' head um, and the AJ Styles has to battle through whatever the hell. It's like AJ Styles is John Cena with a better moveset. I'm sorry. A better hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he is, isn't he? Like, in what way is AJ Styles even run, slightly absolutely. interesting, you know? <laughs> this run, absolutely. Which is why it's like, oh, I mean, all right, this Brian stuff, I'm enjoying. Um, and uh, the match with him and Styles is obviously very good. But they should have done that with Nakamura. Why didn't Nakamura win that title? Yeah, and then why didn't Joe? Yeah, it, exactly. If, exactly. You, if you're going to do it with Nakamura, why can't you do it with Joe? And then it's like, oh, hang on. Does every champion from now on have to go past CM Punk? Like, is this really, is this really what Vince? Yeah, you're trying to punk out the top ten or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if oh, it's why I said Brian now holds that belt for six hundred days when you know obviously that was what everyone wanted the first time around. Like, <laughs> just yeah, it's just bizarre. So. As a, yeah, but it's, it's a pretty easy fix. Essentially, the fix is Vince goes off to run the XFL and, and, and sort of, like, re, you know, relaxes some of his controls. I know a lot of people think it will never happen, but maybe if he gets so excited about the XFL, maybe Triple H does get a bit more power yeah, that's, that's and what maybe things do, get a bit better. We need to buy a subscription to the XFL network and stuff like that just to <laughs> <laughs> buy season tickets and all sorts, you know, even if you're not going. Oh, that's it. Like, hopefully Vince can also start the World Bodybuilding Federation up again as well. Lots yeah, of, as long as Lex Luger doesn't make a comeback, I think we should be all right. Um, loads of stuff to keep him busy. That's what you need. Well, yeah, exactly, because you can see where Triple H's influence is felt on the products, and, and it's a lot healthier for that. And for years, you know, I would have been somebody probably that said that people exaggerated when they were saying that, you know, Vince was past it and holding stuff back. But it's very, very difficult not to not to come to that conclusion now. No, I mean, I mean, Vince, Vince still gets it. You know, he still gets a lot of things. You know, he's still the head. He's got difficult decisions to make. But you know, the, the good is becoming the less and less and less. You know, it's and he's got it, no one it, to rein him in. He's got no one to rein him in. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have a Jim Connor or a. Um, or a Jerry Briscoe, or a Pat Patterson, or you know a Bruce Pritchard to say to him, Vince, that's a terrible idea. Or, all right, that's an idea. Let's how are we going to write this? And that's what he's missing, I think, because there's no one, because you know there's no one there to challenge him and say no. It's like him and Dunn have got their own idea about what they think this industry is developed into. Because actually, you know, like I'm. Somebody said to me on Twitter the other day, um, 
that, that you know they they uh, you know younger younger person younger fan and they've just started watching through the 97 roars and, and they're like it's like watching a completely different industry yeah um and you know that's it's quite interesting to hear that from somebody that's grown up with the way that it's done now to, to say oh my god i had no idea that wrestling could be like this that's that's quite sad isn't it really that, yeah it you is. know it really is you have to discover the back catalogue to see that wrestling tv didn't used to just be this paint by numbers thing it's and and that's it. It it changes everything. Like you say, you know, it makes you look forward to pay per views. It makes things matter. It, it makes you excited about the product. And you know, you have to wonder if we were, you know, starting to watch now, would we still be? If we hadn't stuck it out through so many years, would we still be bothering right now? Well, I think you, know? you can see what's happening. You know, like, you know, we have people. Who, who write for our site and, and who contribute to this uh, radio network, who, you know, people like um, Imp and Leaf, who, they watch WWE, but they're way more invested in the British independent scene. Um, and I think if we were young, if we were that young now, um, well, I, yeah. think, I think we would be those people that were going to progress shows and stuff. You know, we yeah, would be, I, I, I do believe that, yeah. And that, that's probably the future of... That's probably the future of where this goes, that, uh, you know, we turned into teenagers uh, as the Attitude Era was starting to get going, you know? Like, you know, we were, like, 17 in 97, uh, and obviously as the product got more risque and, and we we were developing more risque tastes and so on and so forth. Um, I think maybe now the narrative will be that, yeah, as a kid, you'll grow up with WWE and then it's almost like NXT would be your gateway then to, you know, to all the indie stuff, at least, at least, um, oh yeah, NXT would basically be your 97 Raw, I guess, but... Yeah, I guess NXT is the indie stuff these days, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I doubt there are any wrestlers left on the independent circuit now. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's certainly something, though, which I do think is, is fixable. Um, I mean, I think me and Plan talked uh, a little while ago about actually, if you taped Raw and SmackDown in advance, like you did with NXT, it'd be immune from all this tinkering then. And that would solve an awful lot of the problems. Um, yeah, and I think, I, then again, if, if you. If if you taped it all in advance, would would um would Vince and Dunn just sit there for weeks on end, just changing everything anyway? Maybe, maybe. I remember like I remember uh, Heyman saying about how um uh he used to get Carl and Taz to like uh, redo their commentary on some SmackDown matches during the SmackDown Six era, and they were always really pissed off with it for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I can imagine. You know, as someone that's been in a bit of that zone myself, uh, being micromanaged at the moment, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's not the greatest. Uh, amen to that. Um, well, guys, uh, do let us know um, if you would like to um, what what you think needs to change about about the WTV product. Uh, are the ratings still going to keep going down? Um, and if they do, is that going to force a change, or are they going to be uh, they going to be stubbornly clinging on? Um, I guess the question has been over the last uh, the last few years really has been 
you know, at some point, are they going to actually move Raw and SmackDown to the network live? And I guess that will only happen if people like USA stop stumping up the money for it. Um, I, I, I tell you what, I do wonder it, if it did go, Raw and SmackDown did go t- from from TV networks to their own network, whether whether we'd see a change in, in how that was done. Maybe, yeah. I, mean, it's, I guess the argument against that is always like, how are you going to attract new viewers and new casuals if it's only on your own network? I think that's probably the main concern that they would have there. It's like, how can they get kids interested in it if, yeah. if, if their parents aren't fans already? It kind of limits your audience, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Well... Um, yeah, so do let us know what you think about the current state of TV, if you think there are any changes that need uh, to be made. Um, we'll be back next week, uh, I suspect, to preview TLC, um, which, you know, for all the faults the TV we just talked about, actually looks like a really good card. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those where the card actually looks like it's going to be fun. Oh, indeed, indeed. Well... Can't wait to see Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman. Oh, by the way, Mas, like while you're catching up on stuff, I don't know if you if you if you've caught this because you've obviously been a bit out of the loop. Uh, but um, <laughs> there's a you know they do these things where they have um, like people watch back their old matches with each other and they put it on YouTube. All oh, right, yeah. Yeah, there's one of three man bands getting back together to watch the WLC. Can we do an episode where Plan watches? 3MB watching the WLC because that might be the most fantastic thing ever. I think I'll suggest that to him for a future seed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's well worth the watch. Like seeing them uh, reminisce about when they were by, when they were sort of three jobbers, uh, you know, being thrown around by a midget. So that's quite a good quite, time. Quite good fun. Um, that Hornswoggle definitely didn't meet the height requirement. No, no, absolutely not. Um, I also like—I don't know if you've ever seen this—but uh, there's a during the uh, broken Matt Hardy stuff in TNA, there was this amazing bit when Hornswoggle came to TNA, and, uh, and and Matt Hardy's like, "Have you been sent by your dastardly father, Meek Man?" <laughs> and Hornswoggle very painfully explains to them that that was just a story, and he isn't really McMahon's son. Yeah. And there's this like there's yeah. this pause, and then Matt suddenly goes, "Wonderful!" <laughs> oh, oh, great, good stuff. Um, I can only tell that because Plan's not here. He'd be like ranting and raving by now. Yeah, he, he, that would have upset him. Um, all right. So do listen to the rest of LIP Radio shows. Um, the lineup, as always, is on the LIP main page. Um, will that next Friday? Uh, have a good weekend, everybody, and we will see you next time. Bye.